I'm getting slow in my old age, Alfred. Even you got too old to die young, not for lack of trying. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. Son of Krypton versus Bat of Gotham. Well, here I am. Experience it in IMAX. Rated PG-13. Welcome to the Suicide Squad cast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screen, so we want to make sure that we talk about all of it. So thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. My name is Scott, and I am back! Yes, you are. Welcome back, Scott. Woohoo! It's been kind of weird the last few weeks, but by the way, guys, I am Tim, and we are the Suicide Squad cast. But uh, I want to say one thing real quick. We actually have a special guest today, Greg Katzman. Greg, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Uh, very happy to be here. Yep. Thank you so much. Yeah, now, we originally, um, knowing that Scott was going to be off, I was trying to arrange different hosts to be here just in case. And I wasn't sure if Scott was going to be back. And and actually, uh, we originally had to bump you because we originally were going to have you on like the 19th. And I had to bump you because of my travel, mm-hmm. which actually ended up being the weekend that I had some medical emergencies with my family. But anyway, um, I'm happy to have you here. And it's it's actually going to be real fun to having the three of us here. So, uh, Greg, tell me a little bit about what is going on with you right now. Sure. Um, I work in marketing over at Midtown Comics. They're located in New York. And uh, when I'm not working in Midtown Comics, um, hopefully your listeners don't hate me for this. I write about Marvel for About.com. No, we don't hate Marvel. No. We love Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm kidding, obviously. I'm sure most people have a very open mind about both. And, for sure. Yeah. Well, cool. Very good. Very good. Well, let's go ahead and get started, man. Scott, what have you been doing lately? Um, having a baby. <laughs> um, I think that's kind of the reason I've been gone. Yes. Yep. Uh, but he's precious and the family's doing well. But I have to admit, man, I'm gone. I'm I'm gone for one week and you and Brent dropped the ball. I mean, honestly, it was Superman's birthday on Monday and you didn't mention it. You're talking about on the 29th. Yes. You know what episode this is. It's the 29th. Yeah, it's the 29th episode. Oh, OK. So you're just saving it. That's what you're telling me. It was on purpose. Um, No, but that's what I'm going with. Oh, OK. <laughs> cool. And also that Zack Snyder's birthday was on Tuesday. So we had like two big birthdays mm-hmm. and nobody mentioned it while I was gone. So that's what I'm here for, folks. I bring back the hard news. Yes, the hard news. And mm-hmm. as far as I remember, while you were off, I think you still had access to the show notes, and I must have just overlooked your inputs to that. So, I'm uh, Greg. We're moving on. Uh, <laughs> Tim is being difficult. <laughs> Very good. Now, I have to admit that, well, while I've been gone, though, we've gotten like a ton of reviews. Yeah, a bunch. <laughs> it's been it's been awesome. You promised our listeners last week that there were going to be at least two reviews that you could have read last week that you were saving for this week. So I think we did, I think we owe our listeners all these glorious reviews and a contest winner. Yeah, let's do that. So um, we're going to run through this real quick. So we actually have three reviews that we're going to read. And this will lead us up to closing out contest number. What is it? Six or seven? Six. 
It's contest number six. And I'll start off with the first one. The first one is binged just a tad by I Need Help F1. And I Need Help F1 says, these guys are fun to listen to and always well-informed about my favorite comic book franchise. I recently discovered them and have listened to every episode in the last four or five days. My gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Despite knowing a lot of what has already been announced because I'm listening to older episodes, definitely check them out. The only thing more you could possibly want out of this podcast is more episodes. So keep it up, guys, and thanks for making my workday a little less boring. By the way, I don't know when this will get read, but the crossover with Beer with Geeks was really good, and I enjoyed that. All right. Very good. Thank you very much. I need help F1. Well, then we had another uh, review from uh, ACDC91, whose review is called Favorite Comics Podcast. ACDC91 writes, I have loved listening to you guys. I started from the first podcast and finally caught up not too long ago. I have always loved Batman, but my love for him and the other DC comics have grown so much. Best way to get through the workday has been catching up on DC news from you guys. Now I can't wait until BVS comes out to hear all of your opinions. Oh, trust me, they are coming. I cannot <laughs> wait. Oh. So ACDC91, you will get it soon in three weeks. It is so soon. Oh, that's awesome. And then the final review to close out the contest is from Graham Seven, and it's titled DC News. I was looking for a great podcast that would bring me up to date on all the goings-ons in the DC universe, and now I found it. Because up to now, I've been forced to listen to the DC Movie News podcast, which is unbearable, sometimes due to all the shouting and talking over each other that they do. These guys are great and easy to listen to as they talk about all the movie and TV news that going on right now. Excellent stuff. All right. So appreciate the feedback here. And uh, I mean, that's the great thing. We're starting to see a lot more DC podcasts here. And then that's actually how I first actually met Greg was a, it was a DC movies podcast, right? Yes. It's a different than the one that's referenced here, but let's go ahead and choose the winner here. And I'm going to pull up random.org and from one to 10, the contestants are CK75, Dale and Enloser, Michelle Leem, Luigi San, Justin League North, Lawyer Josh, Willie Joel 40, I Need Help F1, AC DC 91 and Graham 7. And the winner is number 8. I need help F1. Yes, I need help F1. Congratulations. We just read his. Oh my goodness. Well, talk about talk about bang for your buck. You read your review and you win in the same episode. What could what more could you want? Yeah, not a whole lot more. But you do get a trade paperback uh, less than $15. So I need help F1. Reach out to us. Let us know what you'd like to get. You can either get it in print or you can get it in something digital. So reach out to us. Let us know. Congratulations. And that is enough for that, I think we need to get onto this news, Scott. How is it that every time we think it's going to be a slow news week, like Thursday hits, and then we're like <laughs> swamped with news? Okay, so I want to talk about the Jimmy Kimmel post-Oscar special, because that was hilarious. Yeah, that was great. Did you see that one, Greg? Yeah, I actually stayed up until uh, 3 a.m. just to watch it. <laughs> oh. You're a glutton. I, I used YouTube afterwards. I had to go to, I had to go to work the next morning. Yeah, I did too. I had to go to work as well, but uh, I've just been so excited for Batman v Superman. I I couldn't. I couldn't resist. I had to stay up just to see whatever was uh, new. I'm a very responsible 30-year-old like that. <laughs> very good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there was all kinds of fun stuff. So where do you, Greg, as as you know, since you actually stayed up to watch this, which <laughs> which clip uh, do you want to talk about first? Because there's so much to talk about. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Uh, I guess we'll talk about the big one, which was uh, the skit that they made. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, seeing a little bit of new footage from the fight was great but the skit was just so hysterical i i mean i don't know about you guys but uh what, when i was watching it and i heard there was going to be new footage i was t thinking i was like oh man i hope it's not just like a joke right you know just a skit that they came up with a fake deleted scene and it turns out they had uh it was like a nine minute clip or something like 
that? And yeah. it was just it was just hysterical. I loved it. It was ridiculous. And then, you know, the part I loved about it, too, and, and Greg, I kind of felt the same way. I thought it was just kind of like they were kind of playing that there was going to be a new clip and it was ultimately going to be a skit. And we'll, we'll touch on there actually was a clip. We'll touch on it a little bit. But this deleted scene, so-called deleted scene skit that they did was just absolutely hilarious. And the part I loved about it up to that, it was was actually even before they, you know, jumped into that scene, the little uh, kind of back and forth play that they did between Affleck and Jimmy Kimmel mm-hmm. was just spot on. It was just hilarious. And I don't want to reveal too much, but I do want to say that I am in the movie and um, and you're great in it and Henry is great in it as Superman and I am really, really great in it and uh, I'm so excited. Yeah. This is my first you, real big role in a movie. Were, you're good. Thank you. You're good. Thank you. Wait, they, you know, in the process of making movies, one of the things that as I, you know, I'm a director, so I have a sort of perspective. I know. I'd on love this. to be in your next thing. Thank you. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about. That. But, but one of the things that you confront are very difficult creative choices, where you have one thing that's so, so good, and another thing that's so, so, so good, mm-hmm. but they can't both be in the movie. Right. Like so, you and Matt on the show tonight. Like one of you had to leave. Right, you know, and, right. and it was, that was a hard unfortunate. Choice. But yeah, but I am psyched about it. Filmmakers made a, a similar choice with your work in the film. <laughs> They had to had to make a tough choice, and it just the movie was a hair long, and um, you know it just the stuff you did was so good, and they were like, you know what? Maybe what happens is he's on screen for too little of t- amount of time to be this good, because the audience is gonna be looking for him. Where else is he? Where else is he? We want to see him. So we can't have him be that good and only be in this little part of the movie. So what they went ahead and did was just took that right out. Well, the, what was so fun to me was how Affleck committed to this. I mean, this mm-hmm. was hilarious. He was having so much fun. I mean, even before the actual, quote, deleted scene, just the buildup to it. Right. It was it was hilarious to see the someone having so much fun and, and, and like, really enjoying it. I really don't feel like a lot of movies, the actors, when they come out of these talk shows, they don't really seem to have that much fun about promoting their own movie. And this is, was hilarious. Oh, yeah. He looked like he was all in on it. Yeah, and one thing that was unintentionally funny was uh, when Ben Affleck was saying, uh, we had to cut you out of this version, but you know how sometimes they make, you know, uh, multiple DVDs, you know, they (laughs) they keep double dipping, and that came out right after people discovered there's going to be the R-rated Ultimate Edition Blu-ray. Right, yeah. So that that was kind of unintentionally funny, implying that, you know, sometimes studios uh, make one too many DVDs or so it seemed. Right. Well, you know, we won't play the scene here because it's just... it's a pretty long scene, but basically it was just a parody of the, it's basically the art museum scene, which I think is actually possibly, is it maybe Lex's home? I'm not really sure what it is. And so it is actually that scene where we had that first encounter between Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne. And so he actually had Jimmy Kimmel just kind of like basically photobombing the whole scene and he kept walking back and forth. And then he basically inserted himself into the scene. I don't know. What were, what were the parts that you guys thought were the most amusing out of that whole deal? Well, for me, it was the fact that Jimmy Kimmel going, I know you from somewhere. <laughs> And then the funniest part was when he grabs Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor and goes, he, he, he's Superman. And Jesse Eisenberg's like, oh, oh my God, you're right. I, I've spent my entire life trying to kill a journalist. I, I don't know. I need to go rethink my life. <laughs> right. Love your column. I mean, just if anything, just Jesse Eisenberg's like, you know, just complete like abashed shame of this is what I this is my this is my arch nemesis, a reporter. <laughs> I, I need to go rethink my life. That that right. sold it for me right there. Yeah, it was good. Like, didn't 
didn't he do like a periscope? He, he ran up. He goes, hey, everybody, I got Superman and Batman here. <laughs> so anyway, it was pretty funny. And then they kind of really tied it into uh, The Martian. And if I don't really watch Jimmy Kimmel, but I, I do know that they've kind of had this longstanding kind of mock feud between uh, Jimmy Kimmel and and uh, Matt Damon. And just Matt Damon, yeah. And so they actually, even prior to this, Ben Affleck came out onto the stage to meet up with Jimmy Kimmel in this. It would look like a fat suit. And it was really uh, Matt Damon that he had uh, smuggled in underneath his suit <laughs> and brought him onto the show. But anyway, in this skit, Superman, uh, what was it that he actually said when he whispered to Jimmy Kimmel? He goes, you know, I can throw you into the sun or something like that. I, I can throw you off the planet or off something the planet, like that. Yeah, it was great. And Batman threatened to uh, rip his, uh, <laughs> since this is all ages, I'll just say uh, private parts off. Yeah, his private parts. Yes. <laughs> so that's great. But then, so they tied it, like I said, into the Martian. He eventually launched Jimmy Kimmel up into space and landed on Mars with, there with Matt Damon. Which just reminded me of Superman's power move from Injustice, which was so sweet. Oh. So it's just like, oh, yes, there we go. <laughs> it never gets old. <laughs> no, it does. Same thing with Doomsdays. So anyway, that was a lot of fun. If you guys haven't seen it, go check it out. You, um, just go to YouTube. I'm sure you could find it pretty easily. It's Jimmy Kimmel deleted scene, Batman v Superman. Now let's talk about the new scene we actually got shown because I got kind of excited about this one because it's more Superman, Batman fighting. Right. And that's what I want from this movie is Superman and Batman fighting. Yeah. And this was uh, this was largely things that we had already seen, but this was like an extended like clip. And it was really it was really fun to see it because there was a bunch of scenes that we had seen in previous trailers that you didn't really have the context about where they fit in. So now we kind of got an order of uh, like a sequence of events of this. And why don't you go ahead and walk us through this, Greg? Sure. It begins with Superman essentially grabbing Batman and uh, very brutally smashing him through several floors of a building <laughs> all the way through the roof. And yeah. then he throws him down into what is either a spotlight or the bat signal. Right. Uh, and just basically throws him like a rag doll. And uh, we then get a close up of armored Batman as he almost falls off the uh, corner of the building. He's he's noticeably uh, stunned. Yeah. He's, you know, taking a heavy breath. But seeing as he's Batman, he's not down for very long, gets up, uh, composes himself, and he very casually just takes out what appears to be a smoke grenade, tosses it forward. Um, and now one thing that people are complaining about here is that there's maybe about two to three seconds here where Superman just stands there and allows the smoke to uh, just begin to, you know, spill out. And mm -hmm. then Superman very swiftly rushes through it, but Batman is no longer in his sight. And that is when it cuts to the clip that was very exciting in the last trailer mm -hmm. of Batman firing something at Superman and Superman very uh, effortlessly using his superhuman reflexes to catch the projectile. Yeah, that was great. Now, there's a, I heard a lot of people kind of criticizing, well, how did Superman just not look through the smoke to see where Batman went? And I think there was like some, is like one of the animated movies, I think Batman had actually used uh, a smoke grenade that was actually lead-based, and so Superman was not able to see through it. And so I wonder if maybe that's like one of the little explanations on this thing. But of course, like, you know, when Batman fires that thing, it seems extremely well-planned out and deliberate. And so we all suspect that this this is where he actually introduces kryptonite <laughs> into the battle. That would be a great nod to Green Arrow in uh, The Dark Knight Returns. Yes, I was thinking the exact same thing. Oh, man. I, I mean, even if this smoke grenade isn't laced with lead or any special features, which it may be, because as I'm sure we'll discuss later, Zack Snyder went into detail about Batman and how brilliant he is, uh, how great of a tactician he is, how everything seems to be planned out, every single little move. And he knows Batman's weakness, so it's possible 
useful, he knows about the lead as well. But even if it's not, it could just be playing to Superman's not necessarily, I guess you could say arrogance in this case, where he doesn't even view Batman, uh, Batman as a threat whatsoever. Right. He just thinks that's cute. And then he doesn't even bother with the X-ray vision. He doesn't require it. Right. He just, he's almost amused by it and then plows through it. This is also the scene where we get that line, stay down. If I wanted you dead, you would be. So there's, th- there is that arrogance of, I could <laughs> kill you, but I'm not going to. So stop trying to make me kill you. <laughs> Well, to be fair, I mean, he basically just took Batman and launched him through several floors of a building, <laughs> up through the roof, and tossed him like a rag doll down probably into the bat signal or something like it. And, uh, you know, so that's why he's not going to be intimidated by a little smoke grenade. You know, at this point, I mean, he's basically, what more of a message could he send to Batman? You know, this is something, you know, he could have done much, much worse to Batman. So he's just, he's just trying to stay calm like Superman, you know, normally would. He's like, you know, he's not the aggressor normally. And uh, so that's basically just how it kind of all this played out. But, you you know, Batman is always much more prepared, right? And because he has to be, you know, he doesn't have any superpowers. And and uh, this is just going to be so fun to watch this all play out. Like, you know, all the planning that had to gone into this whole scene. I'm sure it was almost completely orchestrated by Batman. Well, I want to I want to step in here because last night I actually read the um, Scholastic has like a, a guy, a flipbook guide of Guide to the Cape Crusader, Guide to the Man of Steel. And by the way, if you've not checked it out, there are tons of un, like photos you haven't seen yet that are in this little kid's book yeah. and has a little description. And they they speak extensively about how Bruce Wayne and Alfred built everything he has. And if we think and as we've established that this Batman v Superman takes place two years after Man of Steel, that's two years of Batman preparing for this moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. One thing that I think is important, people, um, as expected, uh, people are obviously uh, arguing a lot about the movie. Man of Steel uh, had a very uh, mixed response to it. People still debate about it to this day and the line of superman saying uh stay down if i wanted it you'd be dead already i think it's important for people to remember that that line even though we saw more footage it's still taken out of context we don't know what batman said to superman before that right the latest tv spot we see batman egging him on like well here i am how do we know that perhaps he's not saying uh commenting on the fact that superman killed zod something Mm -hmm. like what are you just going to kill me too right maybe maybe he's pushing it that way and then super man effortlessly you know <laughs> effortlessly does that and then says look man if i wanted it you would be dead already but i'm not going to that, mm-hmm. that's that's how i view it yeah no definitely i mean that's going to be the great thing is you know we've seen a lot of these lines over and over but it's surely going to play out a little bit differently in the film when we actually see it and the context is everything really mm-hmm. well hey man so that was good we're going to go ahead and move this thing on we actually had henry cavill was actually on a red carpet because all these events were kind of going on at the oscars and uh it was mtv news josh horowitz actually had caught up with cavill and he was basically you know asking you know how does batman have any kind of advantage over superman and cavill said we have to consider superman's approach to everything here that the fact that he loves humanity he loves human beings and he doesn't really want to hurt any of them and he says this is where batman finds like an immediate advantage with that well i think this goes back to what the conversation we were just having is that batman's going to play dirty mm-hmm. bat they you know like greg said batman is pr- most 
most likely egging him on. And it's Superman who is kind of holding himself back and trying to be trolled. And Batman's not going to hold himself back. Batman's going to use every trick in the book. So, I mean, I this makes sense to me. And, and, and it plays to who these characters are at their core. You know, Batman pretty much has the I don't kill limit, but pretty much everything else is fair game. Yeah. So I don't I, I I like Cavill saying this because it just reiterates where I think these characters are at their core. Right. It reminds me of a uh, uh, Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee's Hush. I believe it's their fight where Superman is uh, mind controlled by Poison Ivy and he's fighting Batman and Batman everyone takes the pictures of that and they think Batman dominated him with the kryptonite ring but what's really important there are the captions Batman's mentioning uh, how screwed he is basically in that situation <laughs> right. if the fight continues yes. it's, it's really good but another really insightful part is uh, he says something I, I don't have it popped up here I'm going based on purely memory here but uh, what sets him apart is deep down Clark is a good guy and deep down I am not yeah yes I remember that and line. that that's a great difference between them that, and that really does kind of sums up everything really right there because that that is the distinct difference and that's why Batman even has a chance. Mm-hmm. Love it. Let's move on here. Like we actually have that great article that came out from Anthony Bresnikan from Entertainment Weekly and there's a lot of stuff in here, Scott. I know. Let's kind of run through some of the stuff. Get us started. Okay. Well, apparently this movie cost $250 million to make and <laughs> I liked this. Apparently the production team is referring to the DCEU or the Justice League universe or whatever you want to call it. They're apparently referring to to it as the Snyderverse. Right. I, just, I just find that cute. I mean, I, well, you know, Christopher Nolan, it becomes the Nolanverse, so why can't this mm-hmm. be the Snyderverse? I don't I don't see a problem with that. Yeah. Well, and speaking of the Snyderverse here, so basically, uh, Snyder himself, it kind of revealed to Anthony that, you know, one of the things that kind of goes into the insight about Superman here is and what really kind of creates the possibility of them having somewhat of a fair fight between Superman and Batman is that he says Superman doesn't really need to be much of a chess player like Batman. And so, you know, Superman and basically what he's saying here is that Superman really relies on his powers and his strength. And Batman is able to counter that because he has to he has to be a tactician. He has to be smarter and he has to plan. And then he actually went on and Snyder had actually revealed to Anthony here some some of these things are somewhat kind of spoilerish. I was a bit mm-hmm. I, I was a bit on the fence about how much of this we should talk about. Well, because I've been seeing on Twitter how there have been a lot of people going, um, guys, stop it. Yeah. And yeah, so. What are your guys' thoughts? Should we? I mean, it, it's out there. Should we talk about it and basically just say if you don't want to, if you don't want to hear about this, like skip ahead like a minute? Yeah, I would say let's do it. I mean, we've all read it here, so it's not like we're avoiding it. No. Um, but yeah, if it, this I think is probably one of the most spoilerish things of this. Um, there's actually one other thing later on, but let's go ahead and if uh, if you really don't want a particular plot details in here, you might want to skip ahead a minute. So so actually, we have here that Snyder had revealed that before they even began to fight, that you're going to see armored Batman placing traps around this abandoned stockyard. And then he actually was walking along at some point in the movie and he drives this kryptonite spear into the ground. And he even says that he was basically pacing it off and that when he throws Superman, the spear is right there where he had pre-planned it to be. And so that basically what Snyder was saying is that did Batman really pre-plan everything? Uh, Did he really know every single move that he was going to do that this fight was going to lead to? You guys can't see it, but I have such a smile on my face right now just thinking about all of this the fact that we have such a, a faithful version of batman I, I i know ben affleck received so much flack when it was initially announced and ho- 
hopefully all those people have come around since then. But this incarnation of Batman, I, I am just so ridiculously excited. No, oh, I know. And you, you, he has to be like this for him to be believable, to to be amongst all yeah. these other gods. You know, th- this ha- you know, you, you basically have to have the bat god, <laughs> which is what this is. You need the Grant Morrison JLA version of Batman, right? right. Like he knows every he's done about 10 different versions of how something can happen before he does it. Yeah, it seems like they have like so many good versions, though, meshed into that. Not only do we have this brilliant version who can think 10 steps ahead, but we also have this uh, this dynamic with Alfred where they're coming up with all the technology. We have the older, uh, more brutal version from The Dark Knight Returns. And then we saw in that latest trailer how he fights just regular (laughs) street level people. And that scene was broken up throughout the trailer. If you really analyze it, which I'm sure you guys did, Mm -hmm. he pops up through the floor, throws devices on the guns. And then as he's in the rafter, he activates those devices, which disable the guns. He then uses the grappling gun to grab someone by the foot, hang them (laughs) upside down. And then he goes down there and just just demolishes them. It's I I have never been so happy watching a trailer. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like it was like watching the Arkham video games come to life. I was just like, yes, this is the way Batman's supposed to like kick. You know what? (laughs) Yeah. If there were any Affleck doubters out there, and I think I said this at the time, if there were any Affleck doubters, I mean, you can't you have no excuses now. There should be no (laughs) excuses whatsoever. (laughs) You you have to give this guy a chance. You know, if you didn't like what you saw there, then you're not a Batman fan. (laughs) (laughs) And did you guys notice that Batman actually does get slashed in the neck? But yes, and it sparks. Yes. Yeah. Which which adds to the whole I'm getting slow in my old age, yes. Alfred. Because <laughs> like I'm sure Batman 10 years younger would never have let someone get that close. Yeah, man. Let's keep it moving here. OK, so this was something I like the idea of Snyder pitching the idea of an extended DC universe. Mm-hmm. And his idea was, OK, we've got Batman in the universe to it. We just introduced Superman. So how about Wonder Woman's there and Flash and Cyborg and Aquaman? And apparently the studio was like, well, it's about damn time. Yeah, I know. It's exactly. I mean, it's like they were, you know, I think this is what they were hoping to get. Uh, and, you know, of course, Snyder had the vision and it seems like he was the one that was really kind of driving it. And uh, he is, according to Lisa's interview, he's the one that actually pitched this to the studio. Which is interesting to me because you think this, I guess what what blows my mind, and I don't understand the entertainment industry as well as I probably should, but it's like you're Warner Brothers. You uh, you own DC Entertainment. Why, why have you not thought about putting all of your pieces on the board? Why did it take Zach? Snyder going, you know, guys, you have some pretty cool characters and we can all put them in the same movie. You, you know that, right? Well, here's the problem. I mean, so you got to remember Warner Brothers is not a superhero studio. It is a, you know, it, they do they do like 15 to 20 films a year out of that studio and you get one every two years, which is a superhero film. So, I mean, this is not where their mindset is, but especially with seeing the success of the Marvel Universe, the cinematic universe, and then having like a visionary like Snyder come on and then especially, you know, getting uh, Jeff Johns and there. I, I think they finally started to realize all the different possibilities that they had. And, you know, this was their opportunity. They had basically the right mix of people that had the right vision that could actually make this thing happen. I mean, Greg, I mean, you you do this for a living. I mean, w- do you have any insight into this? I mean, are, are you as surprised by this as I am? Or do you kind of are you kind of a little bit more understanding about how this idea apparently never occurred to anybody yet? <laughs> I think a lot of it boils down to the pitch. And like we were just talking about, Snyder had the vision that seems plausible 
accessible to them. I mean, before this, it was Nolan's Batman trilogy, and Nolan obviously wanted it to be self-contained. He didn't want these larger-than-life uh, metahumans mm-hmm. roaming around his universe. So Batman, a more real, quote-unquote realistic version of Batman, is what was working, so they rolled with it. And I think the overwhelming success of Marvel's shared universe definitely uh, piqued their interest in building their own, and thankfully Zack Snyder presented them with an option that uh, is very appealing to all of us. Well, uh, the three of us. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, I, I will say, I we have a listener base that we're all super excited, and I'm, ju- I'm just so glad that, I mean, DC is where my heart is, mm-hmm. and I'm just so glad that as far as the major motion pictures go, I'm going to get my sandbox. I, mm-hmm. I've been waiting years for this, and it's 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 almost here. And then we, I know I describe this to uh, friends of mine as well. I mean, I, you know, I love the Marvel movies. I enjoy them, but my heart has always been with DC. Those are the characters that I grew up with that I've connected with the most. And to actually see a cinematic universe coming together has me just absolutely giddy about it. But on top of that, my sensibilities in terms of like what I enjoy the most is I enjoy superhero movies that have gravity, that have a weight to them, that have consequences. And I am extremely happy that I get to not only see DC, you know, who, who my heart is closest to, to see them form in a universe and I can be here right at the front end of it, but to also see what I like to see in movies the most. And so I am so happy about the fact in this movie that we're going to be directly dealing with these major realistic type of consequences from Man of Steel. Well, I think it's interesting also. Um, th- did you guys realize that Green Lantern is not coming around in the DC Universe anytime soon? I was I was a little shocked that they decided to go ahead and like totally spoil that in this article. I mean, I, for me, I felt like that was a spoiler. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think about the whole Green Lantern breakdown that we got in this Entertainment Weekly article? Well, I, I will tell you my thought on this real quick. I mean, I always kind of felt like it was the right thing to wait to bring Green Lantern in until you established the rest of the DC universe. And uh, so I, I always thought he was going to come in later. I, I just felt like it was the good play. It was the right play to do anyway. I'm not entirely convinced that this isn't just a red herring, though. What do you think, Greg? Um, <laughs> it, it would be uh, very interesting if they're purposely saying he's not in it, only to blow us away by having him in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, I think they're being sincere there. And I do think that they want to approach the Green Lantern Corps properly this time around. And uh, in my opinion, good things are worth waiting for. Um, a common complaint I see about Batman v Superman is some people worried that it's too crowded. And uh, I, I never thought that was the case because it seems to focus on Batman, Superman, and Lex Luthor. And Wonder Woman is a supporting character. Everyone else, probably just a cameo. That's yeah. not a very crowded movie. And it's giving us teasers and building intrigue for what's mm-hmm. to come, which is basically doing its job. It's expanding the Snyderverse. Right. Yeah, no. So I, I would be perfectly fine with saving Green Lantern. I do think we're thrown off a bit because of the way Aquaman was originally uh, revealed with Unite the Seven, mm-hmm. because now yeah. there will be six of them. Right. Right. Um, now, I'm also kind of curious. Do you do you think they're still trying to put more space between uh, the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie and whenever they eventually introduce a new Green Lantern core into this universe? Or do you think enough time has passed and needing space from the Ryan Reynolds movie is no longer a concern that we need to have. I, I don't think that's a concern, especially since The Dark Knight Rises wasn't that far away either. Um, I, I think if they were to introduce a new Green Lantern Corps, whether it was just Hal Jordan or Jon Stewart or multiple people, I think people would be aware of the fact that this is, you know, indeed a new cinematic universe. This is a new take. 
take on the character. And uh, even then, it's not like he, he would be playing a pivotal role. It sounds as though even if he was in it, it would just be a cameo. Perhaps if we're lucky, a very quick action role. Right. And I, and I think if you actually bring him in, not as a main character in his own movie, I, I think that's absolutely the right way to reintroduce him to this universe is, you know, just not have him have to stand on his own. I think that's going to completely work by doing it this way. Well, Greg, I have to ask you one thing, though. Hal Jordan or John Stewart, who, who's your who's your money on? <laughs> I, why not both? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it is I, I like the way Green you Lan- think. No, I think it will be both. Yeah, it's called Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. I think they will uh, really, uh, th- there's obviously many complaints to be had about Green Lantern. I don't think it's a terrible, abysmal, worst movie ever kind of, but it was disappointing. Yep. And one area where I feel that it failed was spending time on Oa and really showing us more of the core. And it sounds as though this will go heavy with the sci-fi and really enjoy the, I was going to say world building, but I'll say cosmic building in this case. So uh, I would like to see John Stewart. Uh, I, I think, I, I, but I do think how Jordan is. Uh, he's he's probably there. I mean, it, it, Jeff Johns is helping and mm-hmm. we know how big of a role Jeff Johns had in uh, developing Hal Jordan. Right. Oh, he, he's a mega man crush on Hal Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Hal Jordan is well known. I mean, he's going to be there, but there, you will also see John Stewart. And I guess the question is beyond that, like how much more of the other Earth Green Lanterns are we going to see? Uh, that'll be the question is, are we, you know, we're going to see Kyle Rayner? Are we going to see, um, you know, Baz? Are we going to see Guy Gardner? I mean, Guy Gardner, yeah. Imagine them interacting with uh, Ben Affleck's Batman. Will we get the one punch? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think yes. you have to at some point. <laughs> yes. Or, or Batman. Justice League International. Yeah. I love it. Or Batman taking off Green Lantern's ring without him even noticing. Two of the greatest Batman Green Lantern scenes ever. So we got a little bit more detail about timelines and the extended cut. Which one do you guys want to cover first? Let's do the timeline. Okay. Um, I think this makes sense that Suicide Squad would be taking place after Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like the idea of at least some of the movies operating in a sequential order order. Yeah. This was interesting, though, the fact that there will be a present day bookends to Wonder Woman that will have taken place after the events of Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, I, once again, I like a sequential order, but using basically the movie as a giant flashback to the World War One era. Right. Well, and I like this, too, because I know it was rumored for a while that Suicide Squad was going to be occurring before Batman v Superman. And I think maybe even the same thing with Wonder Woman. And I was never real keen on that. Like, I always felt like the right thing to to do was try to keep it as linear as possible. And it sounds like at least, in, you know, according to Anthony's reporting here, that's what we're going to get. And but I do like the idea that, you know, with certain characters that we are going to do somewhat of an origin type film. And it seems like, you know, at least to some degree, that's what Wonder Woman's going to be. And, you know, that would be the right kind of character we'd, where you would want to see a little bit of an origin. But I certainly wouldn't want it, you know, on too many other characters at this point. Oh, yeah. Wonder Woman absolutely deserves an origin story. Everyone knows knows about Wonder Woman, but people don't know who she really is. They know the look uh but i'm still surprised that many people don't even know things like she has super strength or she mm-hmm. can fly or in this case she's fly. a demigod yeah. well and that was something that snyder had said as well like you know people people know wonder woman is iconic but they don't know the why mm-hmm. and so I, I really like that i, I like the idea that he's going to kind of reestablish and and just reinforce the why well i think it's also important considering it is her 75th anniversary year right. that i i really think she this is a long time coming for this character yeah she has a very rich mythos so uh 
uh, they should definitely take advantage of it. But also, it's important to look forward. So it's good to hear that uh, it will be framed by, you know, post BVS bookends. All right. So we get actually a little bit of news on Wonder Woman here in this article and a little bit of spoilery. Um, I don't consider it to be major because I, I think it's going to be somewhat expected as well. But for the most part, we're going to be seeing Wonder Woman basically as her alter ego in Batman v Superman, according to this. Although, you know, she's definitely going to be in some, you know, a major fight scene. But it seems like we're going to see a lot of her scenes actually as Diana Prince. And what was kind of revealed here is that she's actually kind of working as this glamorous covert agent. And she's really kind of got self-interest. And she's basically, as described here, running afoul with Bruce Wayne. And they're engaging in what's described as rival missions to steal some of Lex Luthor's most disconcerting secrets. This was kind of fun to me because it kind of reminds me of like the 70 eras Wonder Woman when she was like depowered and mm-hmm. was kind of working like a like she was in like the go-go suit and she was basically a secret agent before they gave her her powers back. Right. I feel like this is kind of paying homage to that era of Wonder Woman. Right. Without stripping her powers. <laughs> right. Without stripping her powers away, right. which was a terrible idea. But, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. And I like this other thing. She's basically, you know, and they make a point of saying she is not a Bond girl. You know, she's more like James Bond himself, which is great. I love that. Basically, you know, kind of going back to just, uh, you know, not depowering her, you know, as a woman and with her powers and all that. Now, it's kind of cool because once again, they say that uh, Zack Snyder was saying about Wonder Woman that there's still great mysteries surrounding her at the end of uh, BVS. Right. Which is which is great because we've always been told that we're not really getting a lot of her in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I like the idea of there being mysteries because that's just a perfect lead into her own movie. Right. So I, I, I'm glad that as much as we're going to get like just fanboy glee of seeing all these characters on screen, they're not giving us everything. They're still going to make it to where we have to wait another year to get our answers. And mm-hmm. I'm someone who I like not having, you know, I don't like instant gratification. I like being kept teased because it just keeps my anticipation up as a, as a fan. Well, I mean, if you, t- if you think about, you know, serial comics, that's how serial comics work is you have to kind of like lay the seeds or plant the seeds for, you know, later plots. To, and, and basically that's what we're going to get here as well. So this is issue two of the Snyderverse. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. And, it, it, and this is like Jeff John's level of two years later, this will all make sense. Right, right. <laughs> now, uh, now actually Gal Gadot revealed at least, you know, maybe I knew this before in the past, but I certainly forgot about it. But she's actually got a four-year-old daughter, which I had completely forgotten about. Oh, she's precious. I, I see the pictures on Facebook all the time. She's, you, okay. a, she's, she's a beautiful little girl. Okay. Yeah, I haven't stalked her. I mean, followed her on Facebook like you have, Scott. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, the the one thing here that was I thought was a little bit interesting, and this is where Bresnikin came in and he says, you know, when she finally wields a sword and her golden lasso later on in the film, she not only deals out the punishment, but she can take it even after lying low for many decades. So it kind of makes it sound like, you know, we had heard a rumor about this, but this kind of confirms that, you know, she's been inactive for decades at this point. Yeah, well, and then Jeff Johns made a comment about how Jeff Johns says he loves her in the movie and that we've seen this, We oh, I think we actually saw this in the Comic-Con trailer, that she's going to take a hit from Doomsday and then she's going to turn around and smile and it's like, oh, it's been so long <laughs> since yeah. I've had a, since, you know, it's kind of like the idea of there's finally somebody I can hit. Yeah. That and was a great I, moment. Yeah. Oh my God. It, I, we, I, I described it when we reviewed the, that trailer. I, I described her face as, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love the sass that I, I see in that scene. Yeah. My takeaway from that was her just going, oh, it is on. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now there was actually a real interesting 
interesting comment here from Bresnikin in his article, and he was describing basically Batman's reaction to discovering that there's other metahumans out there. And he does, he's a little bit vague about it, but he says certain characters discover evidence of fellow metahumans who could either become powerful allies or maybe foes. And he says Batman is not sure about this, and his default setting is to perceive anyone who's stronger than him as an enemy. Well, that seems right. I mean, that's what Batman would do. Right, right. But I, I, I hadn't really thought about this up to this point, but, you know, maybe Batman's concern, maybe they show it in this film, even goes beyond Superman. Like, maybe he uncovers something about Aquaman or something like that. Th- that would be really kind of cool is if he kind of had the same concern about some other character and they just kind of plant the seed. Well, I think that, I'm not sure if it's in this interview or there's another interview later, but I think the idea is that Batman is starting to see all these super-powered people and he's getting a little, I don't know, maybe a little cape envy. <laughs> it's like, I've been at this for 20 years and I'm barely making a dent and now all these super-powered freaks are showing up and mm-hmm. it's like, what has the last 20 years been about when now this is what the world has come to? Or it could also be just upending everything that he has accomplished. Oh, true. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm wondering if anyone were in there. It wouldn't be nearly as exciting for most people, but if there is a potential reference to Suicide Squad, maybe Killer Croc, because it's talking about not just powerful allies, but also foes, and that would be the next movie. Uh, yeah. That, that would be a nice little fan service that obviously, mm-hmm. well, fan service, obviously fans would recognize, but it would, you know, go over everyone else's head. Well, and I also like what Bresnikin said here. He was basically talking about the prospects of a Batman solo film, and he suggested that we may see in a standalone Batman film where Ben Affleck doesn't even have all the gray hair in his temples. And I really like this. I, I like the idea of this is, you know, it doesn't have to be a Batman film that is completely tied to having all these other metahumans around. You could actually go back in time and, you know, Ben Affleck looks, you know, can look pretty young for sure, especially if they take away the artificial grain. And you could have these like standalone Batman films that are not really kind of hampered by all this metahuman stuff. And that would be really great is if you can you can kind of go back and do some early tales about, you know, maybe where he met, you know, first encountered Joker or, you know, any of his other foes. And I really like the idea of that. I think I would be more in favor of them kind of going back in time for a Batman solo film. What would you guys think on that? I, I really like the idea of a Red Hood movie because it would mesh the present and the past very well and it's a smaller scale. Batman's not uh, aiming to save the city or save the planet. It's it's a m- much more personal story which looks at his earlier years with Robin and we've already seen a teaser about a deceased Robin or presumably deceased Robin obviously um, and, and I, I think just based on that one Easter egg it seems like that could be the direction they're going and part of me, a very small part of me doesn't want that to be the case because there's already an absolutely brilliant Under the Red Hood animated movie. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, but if they can do a slightly different approach to it and, you know, make it work really well and show us the earlier years of Ben Affleck's Batman and then bring this all to the present and have a really, really yes. emotional conflict, I think that would be excellent. Yeah, I think they could definitely do that. They could have the first solo Batman film back in time, really kind of like setting up the story and then just reconvene in the present day. Mm. Well, for me, it kind of reminds me of Legend of the comic book series Legends of the Dark Knight because that was the whole premise behind that series was after Crisis you know they had Batman year one and then they jumped to the present and the idea of Legends of the Dark Knight was filling in the new hit filling in that post-crisis history so I would love the idea of like a like these Batman solo films being a Legends of the Dark Knight type thing where we've got 20 years that we haven't seen and then that way you can just sort of fill it in and you almost don't have to worry about 
about uh, getting stuck up in the continuity. It, it, it's like a lot of these solo films are okay. We've got we've got our major Justice League stuff going on here in the present, which allows us to tell these maybe smaller character stories in the past, and then leave all the big bombastic stuff for when we had the big films where everyone everyone shows up in the same party. Man, so there's actually one more thing we need to touch on with this article, and it's really the when Bresenkin was really kind of talking about the foreshadowing. Now, a lot of this was kind of his reporting based on probably a lot of the conversations he had. But Scott, lead us into this one, because I know you had some comments about this. Yeah, it was this was this was kind of the the, the weird spoiler right. where it's a spoiler that doesn't make any sense, which doesn't make a spoiler. I don't know. But the idea was that we're talking about the nightmare Batman scene, right? The apocalyptic vision where we're all like getting jazzed because there's all this dark side kind of, you know, hinting at and apparently the flash is going to be in the nightmare mm-hmm. and he delivers some sort of cryptic message and apparently uh, the Brezhnikin was saying that you don't know if it's a dream or if it's some sort of flash traveling in space and time to deliver some sort of warning to Batman and I'm going to tell you that that totally reminds me of Crisis on Infinite Earth right. when mm-hmm. when Barry is running through time and the multiverse and he just seems to keep on popping up and everyone's kind of going what 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 was that <laughs> yeah how and awesome so, would that be <laughs> oh i mean it, like long-term dc fans would like totally like if they really did like go full force with the homage like if, if they knew that this is what they were referencing i mean can you imagine like the really hardcore nerds just like losing it and going oh my god i totally know what they're trying to do there right and i think it's an interesting way of we've been told that the flash has a cameo in batman v superman and how cool would it be for it to actually be the Flash mm-hmm. in some weird way that only the Flash could be involved in it and it not just be a generic, oh, there's Barry Allen looking at a crime scene. Right. So what if we had the little cameo in Batman v Superman like this and it was in kind of like, you know, what may be interpreted as a dream sequence or whatever. We don't know exactly how this is going to be viewed in the movie, but what if we had a similar scene in the Wonder Woman film, like maybe back in 1918? Wouldn't that be incredible if like suddenly the Flash made this little just kind of appearance out of nowhere trying to uh, send some kind of message to Wonder Woman and then disappearing. That would just be, I mean, in my mind, that would just be completely epic. (laughs) So basically, you want Flash to be like the Greg Coulson of the DC Cinematic Universe? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't think the same thing, but I get what you're saying. (laughs) What are your thoughts, Greg? It's it's interesting they revealed this before the movie even comes out because it's fun to think about, but at the same rate, I wish we were having this discussion after being surprised by Flash's cameo in that and Mm -hmm. Having all the context and, you know, wondering, was this just a dream? Was this actually, I mean, it has to be something greater. That would be very weird for Batman to have a nightmare with (laughs) Darkseid's logo and and Flash pops up. That's Parademons and Flash, you know. That's quite a dream. So it sounds like there's more to it, but I wish we had all the context. That could have been a great surprise. Yeah, I think I think so. But that makes me think there's got to be other surprises, you know, for them to just kind of like reveal this. I would hope anyway. Definitely. Well, it's like, what do they, what do they, what do they gain by revealing all this? I think that's the biggest question I have is I'm usually, you know, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I would have no idea this was going on because <laughs> I would just be, I'd be 
like radio silent at this yeah. point if I wasn't you know, doing the show. So it's like, why? What do they gain or what are they hoping to get from revealing what seemingly seems like really cool plot points for this movie? Yeah, I think it adds more attention to the movie. Not everyone, like you said, you would have been radio silent otherwise. I think for a lot of people, Flash's cameo wasn't confirmed before this. It was heavily speculated. It was a lot of people just began to assume it was the case. We all thought so. I mean, we even saw the Flash's costume Mm -hmm. in that background picture with Snyder. But at the same rate, that could have just been, you know, for later on. Yeah. Uh, So now people knowing for a fact that Flash is in there and Flash is now uh, much more popular thanks to the CW show, which is very enjoyable. I think that may get a few more people interested in seeing how the character is utilized now that they know for a fact he's in it. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of like of that same mindset. Like I don't get so hung up on, you know, minor spoilers like maybe I would have in the past because in the end it, it never really takes away from my enjoyment of the film. You know, to actually see these things play out is still just as enjoyable to me. You know, where I draw the line is like major, major, you know, spoilers. Those are obviously things you don't want to find out about. But I don't know. I, I think, Greg, I think I agree with you. I think this just kind of like, you know, it obviously gets people talking. I was seeing a lot of talk about this dream sequence, you know, some of the stuff that was revealed here. So it just continues to keep the buzz going. And we've already seen the numbers about the buzz for Batman v Superman, you know, all the analytics they do on social media. It's It's been very high lately. And so, you know, all this stuff, just one after another, just keeps adding to it. And regarding surprises, we've seen a lot of merchandise with Aquaman, and right. we still have no idea how he plays a role in the movie. Right. So I think it's time for us to kind of get on to this review. It's kind of a somewhat review that Bresnikan gave about Batman v Superman. Now, he's actually seen the film. So jealous. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent out there on Twitter, and he basically, you know, it's, it's really not a review. It was basically like saying, if this is your mindset, this is what you're going to think of BVS. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read these off because he says, if you love Man of Steel, you'll love BVS. Good. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yep. <laughs> Number two, if you love Man of Steel, but not the end, BVS may redeem that. And that'll cover a lot of people. Number three, if you hated Man of Steel and the whole grim, dark thing, and he goes, well, this, this is probably not for you. And uh, then he made a couple other points. He said, Wonder Woman is fearsome, which is great. I love hearing that. Uh, number five, he says, there was a moment between Batman and Superman that'll make even the most cynical eye tear up a little bit. And then lastly, he says, fans will have a lot to discuss and fight over. So we're going to get a movie here that people are going to be talking about for years and years and years again, just like Man of Steel. <laughs> so I think numbers, I think number six is just like, that's just comments on fan community in general. <laughs> well, I think especially with these films, you know, especially with, you know, as controversial as, as they, the, the route they've taken with Man of Steel, I think we're going to, we're going to get much the same on that, which is great because I mean, to me, it just, it leads to great discussion about the film, which I love. I think two and uh, five are very important. Two seems to imply there could be even more insight into Superman. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like uh, I, I do love Man of Steel, but uh, now that he has finally become Superman, I want to start hearing more from him. I think Henry Cavill did an excellent job physically conveying Superman's emotions, but regarding dialogue, he didn't have all that much to work with throughout the whole movie. Yeah, And it sounds like if he's you know clashing with Batman and Superman, or <laughs> <laughs> what? He's clashing with himself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, 
I, I meant alternate Earth Superman. Of yeah, no, right. no, I meant, uh, sorry, like uh, Batman, Lex Luthor, Wonder Woman about potential uh, you know, differences and ideologies. It's important for him to speak up and really, really give us more insight to how he felt about the Battle of Metropolis and how he's moving forward. That That is guaranteed to happen with Chris Terrio at the helm uh, from writing the script. We are guaranteed to get that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was very reassuring. Having yeah. him aboard. Uh, Argo is a very, very good movie. So that's that's great. And the the most cynical eye tearing up line. I, I don't want to give any potential spoilers, but uh, I think that may come from Batman, perhaps opening up as to why this is so important to him, showing his emotion finally instead mm. of putting it all in. I, I think that may be what he's talking about there, but we will see. Yeah, that that's going to be a big mystery. I can't wait to see you know what that involves. I mean, that, I love the idea that they're going to have some kind of moment like that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the R-rated cut. Greg, why don't you run us through that? Sure. Um, well, Zack Snyder in the article, he said, we were just like, okay, look, we're not making a three-hour movie. I mean, I didn't even want to make a three-hour movie. Mm-hmm. He says he drove the cuts probably harder than anyone. Uh, and then he also says the studio, which is WB, they were willing to let the movie indulge a pretty hard PG-13, uh, but he felt it was a manageable two and a half hours. And uh, then he also mentioned the credits are quite long, so the movie is closer to two hours and 22 minutes, he said. But as for... Sorry. No, I was going to say, I mean, now he's basically implying that the credits are going to be nine minutes long. That seems a bit longer than usual. Like, it seems like to me, credits are always about six minutes. So we had that rumored um, sequence that was supposed to happen kind of like while the credits are like, you know, maybe intermixed with the credits. It wasn't like an, an after credit scene like what we have with, you know, a lot of the Marvel movies. Uh, it was really supposed to be kind of like this little uh, montage kind of showing how things are progressing and leading up to Justice League. And I wonder if maybe that's why it's a little bit longer at the end here. That would be incredible. I mean, after, you know, the, the two hour experience of seeing the conflict and then the Trinity finally, you know, joining forces to then see where they move after this conflict with Doomsday and Lex Luthor. Yeah. Now, Scott, tell us about some of the things that we found will actually be in the extended cut. Okay, this is, I have to lead. I have to. I'm not going to bury the lead here. <laughs> Jenna Malone is not going to be in the theatrical release of the movie. I am so disappointed because I really do enjoy Jenna Malone. <laughs> I really enjoyed her as uh, jo- uh, Joanne, Joanna in the Hunger Games trilogy. Yeah. But apparently for all the talk about the mysterious character that she's playing, well, we're going to have to wait a, bit, a little bit longer to find out who she is because she's not going to be in the movie until this R-rated extended cut. Right. How, however, Snyder did confirm that uh, he's trying to keep the lid on who she's playing. But all he said is she's definitely not Robin and she's definitely not Batgirl. Now, mm-hmm. what's really funny is that on the internet, <laughs> I said, yeah, but they didn't say she was an Oracle. So <laughs> right. I, I'm like, please, 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 please be Oracle. Mm-hmm. Because I'm almost wondering, you know, when, when we're talking about the idea of the R rating, like, could we get like a killing joke scene? Like, mm-hmm. could that be part right. of what pushes it to an R rating? I know, Tim, you had uh, your idea maybe had be, had been like the, the famous Joker crowbar killing of Robin scene, right. possibly. I'm going to go out and say maybe we're talking killing joke with Barbara Gordon getting shot. Could That's be. my yep. fan theory. Could be, could be. Yeah, I mean, I, or it could be both, you know. I mean, it's there's I'm sure there's a, a series of events that kind of really led to basically where Bruce's state of mind is right now, you know, specifically with Joker. Yeah, if Batman endured both of those things, it's pretty understandable he would uh, eventually <laughs> hang up the cape and the cowl. Yeah, yeah. Well, in, you got to remember, like in the comics, those happened like in the same year. Mm-hmm. They, that's so, right, they did. Yep. So, man, I, oh, once again, just adding so much psychological depth to the character that I don't, I don't really think it's ever 
never been there in a film adaptation before. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. I'm so going to be, it'll be like Watchmen where I just wait however many months I have to wait to buy this ultimate cut. Yeah. Well, it's going to be, it's to me, it's like, you know, we've got, we'll be waiting for Suicide Squad and I'm sure this is going to come out right before Suicide Squad. So we'll have like this event to look forward to as well, which, you know, I didn't really have on the calendar, (laughs) you know, for this year. So now Chuck Roven also said that uh, the ultimate edition will not be gratuitous. Right. He's gone ahead and said that their their plan is for there to not be a lot of blood in their movies. Mm-hmm. And he kind of went on to explain that the ratings board, sometimes the difference between a PG-13 and an R is just a sustained level of intensity. Mm-hmm. So you can have violent scenes. It's just how long do they last and how many of them do you have? And sometimes that's the tipping point between a PG-13 and an R. Right. And you and Brent kind of talked about this last week. Like, you didn't think this was going to be, like, it's R, but it's not going to be, like, you know, we're not talking Deadpool R no, here. It's it's R for different reasons, certainly. So, yeah. So, man, there's going to be a lot to look forward to this. So, we have another BVS event coming up after, you know, like, a couple weeks from now when we finally see the movie. We've got another event to look forward to, which is just great. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm stoked for this. So, Zack Snyder had an interview on DC All Access, and uh, the one key quote that everyone took away from it was Snyder saying, there's no winning anymore for Superman. <laughs> Right. And what he was saying was that over the last two years, uh, the Man of Steel has been doing everything uh, people would expect Superman to do. He's he's righting wrongs. He's saving people from floods. He's saving people from collapsed mines, uh, bridges that are damaged, uh, churches that have caught on fire, even, you know, cats out of trees. <laughs> but the whole thing is uh, every action is an equal and opposite reaction. You know, that whole thing. Uh, no matter what he does, no matter how many people he saves there are always people who saying who are saying he could have done it differently or through helping something he's actually hurting uh mm-hmm. the example he gave was if he takes a cow out of a tree he's gonna say people are complaining that the tree branch was damaged mm-hmm. or the cat wasn't neutered so now when the cat's out there there's uh, it's obviously an exaggeration but thas- thousands of cats and uh, this is uh, kind of also commenting on, you know, the way people were discussing the big battle in Man of Steel. Because yeah. Bat... Oh, wow. Almost said Batman. Uh, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> little bit of internal bias there, I guess, popping <laughs> out. Uh, the truth comes out. Yeah, what can I say? I, I do love Batman. Yep. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, I mean, Superman saved the entire planet. But mm-hmm. he, this was a guy on the first day on the job doing his best against multiple people who were just as powerful as he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, there was a lot of damage because they're fighting in a populated city. Yeah. And he did his best. He saved the day. But two years later, people are fans are still arguing about it. So right. imagine now if this man was real, if there was really <laughs> someone out there who had this power. And no matter what they do to try to help, obviously, people will be divided on it. And yeah. I like that. I think it's a realistic approach to the character. It's very realistic. I mean, if you look at anything we have, uh, you know, we're basically in the age of like personalized news. You know, if you've got a certain worldview, you can find a news station that kind of matches that and, and kind of takes news at an angle that you like kind of appeals to you and it's going to be the same way with this you know there's going to be two different camps on you know whether we should embrace this alien or should we you know we should we fear him and there's going to be tons of media out there that's going to kind of steer the you know steer it in that direction one way or the other and so you know no matter what good he does there's going to be a contingency out there that's going to really try to find everything wrong with what he did so very realistic in my view I mean this, I think this is spot on with exactly how the world would treat this well and I think it ties into this interview that Zack Snyder had with Wired magazine that the that's going to that goes on that went on sale this week. 
that that Zack Snyder actually said that he didn't feel like the killing of Zod was as big of a deal as the destruction of Metropolis. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Like, what was Zack Snyder thinking? The citywide destruction was more important than the 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 death of Zod. And once again, he repeats the fact that these movies have consequences. And yes, there was collateral damage. But yet that is Bruce Wayne's whole beef with Superman was that all this damage was going on and all Bruce Wayne could do was just stand there and watch it happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to the, I think this was the comment I was talking about earlier that Batman is looking at 20 years on the job and now he's in a world where he can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just think that's so powerful. Definitely. No, I agree hundred percent. So yeah, let's talk about ticket sales. Oh yes. And so we actually had tickets go on sale just a short few days ago, really. It was Monday. Uh, last Monday, yeah. Now, um, I know I got five sets of tickets. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? Well, so here's the problem. So with my job, I have uh, certain events that happen where I have to meet with surgeons late at night. And it just so happened I had this very important meeting scheduled on the night that Batman v Superman premieres. <laughs> so I have all this time up to this point, I had this plan that I was going to go see the film that night. I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. But I did find um, one show that I can get an hour and a half away. And if I time it just right, I'm going to be able to just make the premiere Thursday night. And so then I also promised my wife, Jamie, that, you know, I would take her. And so I got a couple different options the following day. <laughs> so, yeah, I got my tickets. What'd you guys get? Oh, well, I, I don't even want to talk about what Greg gets. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, go ahead, you know, make, make us all feel ashamed because I'm, I'm so ticked about you right now. <laughs> I, I'm very, very lucky. I attended the, uh, the IMAX preview a while ago um so i get to see the movie on the 21st awesome that night yeah so i i'm so excited for that uh not only am i seeing it but i'm seeing it in imax and of course i'm going to show up at least three hours early just to play it safe right right well i and i'm getting mine unfortunately the the movie theater that has the imax screen in my town they screwed up and didn't have showing set yet so i didn't get to buy my tickets until tuesday morning because they didn't have times until Tuesday morning. And then I'm going to be going at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. Uh, my dad got his ticket, so my dad and I are going to go see it together. And I'm going to leave work. I'll you know, I'll be able to leave my school at like 3.30 in the afternoon. And then I'm going to drive straight to the movie theater about 10 minutes away. And I'm just going to camp out <laughs> until that movie starts at 7 o'clock. Nice. And my dad's going to meet me there so we can like tag team bathroom breaks. Right. But <laughs> I'm going to be there. Now, it's interesting is that where, I, where I'm seeing the movie, they're going to show it both. There's only one IMAX screen, but they're showing it in regular IMAX and in IMAX 3D. So automatically, I've got to see the movie twice because mm. the 7 o'clock showing is going to be regular IMAX, and of course, I'm going to have to go back and see it in 3D because I have to. Right, right. Because reasons. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, that's cool. You know, so there was a lot of talk about, you know, how does these, these ticket sales compare to a lot of the other movies? You know, you know, is there is there, are we getting some early indications that there was a lot of sales? And um, so we actually had some things, there's uh, movietickets.com, which is basically kind of doing the same thing that Fandango does, but it reports what it considers as like the buzz. Like it, it reports the percent of ticket sales against all the other movie ticket sales that are being done in a 24-hour period. And so Batman v Superman got up to 58.8% 
of the tickets that were sold in that first 24 hours were for Batman v Superman. And so to kind of put that in perspective, uh, I know some people were trying to make this comparison and I've got I've got a bunch of things I need to say about this, but I know people were throwing these numbers out there. They're saying in the first 24 hours that Age of Ultron was 21% of ticket sales, Jurassic World was 50% and Star Wars was 75% of all the tickets sold in that 24 hour period for pre-sale. Now, I'm not trying to be a downer on this, but yes, you are. I'm, I want to, I just want to <laughs> make sure we caution people that they have to understand that this is a percentage of ticket sales. It, it has, this has nothing to do with the number of tickets sold. And uh, so, and it also has, you can't really necessarily compare all these different films to each other because we don't have the full context about what else all those other films were, were going up against. It's encouraging that we're at 59% of the tickets sold. I mean, that's good. That's certainly better than like if it had been 15%. But I would just, I mean, let me just give you this number. If, if we sold 100,000 tickets and BVS was 20% of the sales, that would be 20,000 tickets. But if we sold 10,000 tickets and BVS was 80% of the sales, that would be 8,000 tickets. So that's why quantity matters here. Yeah, I think it was Ronald Reagan that said there are lies, damn lies, and then there's statistics. Right. <laughs> so anyway, so I know a lot of people are getting really pumped up about this. It's fine. I think it's a good indicator, but don't, I don't want you to get the wrong expectations on this. You know, the, the real tracking numbers that we just got yesterday, actually, from Deadline is is actually going to be a much better estimate of what we're expecting here. And uh, Scott, you've got those numbers. Why don't you touch on those? Okay, so basically, the, the headline is, is that tracking data shows that we're building up to a $140 million weekend. At least that's, those are the predictions. Those are industry non-Warner Brother estimates. Right. And so really, they're trying to say that on, on 4,000 screens domestically, we're kind of in a range of 120 to 140 million projected based on the number of tickets that have been sold so far. Right. And worldwide looking about 300 million to 340 million on 30,000 screens. That would put Batman v Superman uh, on a the fifth film worldwide opening weekend after Avengers, Age of Ultron, Spider-Man 3, and Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. And it would be the second highest March opening after the first Hunger Games movie in 2012, which had 152 and a half million dollars. Right. Now, I gotta say, I find it hard to believe that Hunger Games, the the first one, would have a bigger opening weekend than Batman v Superman. I, I would too. So that's why my long-awaited estimate for opening weekend is 160 million. Mm-hmm. I want to say we can that Batman v Superman can at least make 10 more million dollars opening weekend than um, Hunger Games because they both came out around the same time. I mean, we're we're like within one to two weeks of each other in March was when Hunger Games and Batman v Superman came. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's comparable. It's a comparable time in March. Right. Now, it's interesting that Warner Brothers is trying to say we're estimating about a hundred and ten million dollar opening weekend, which I think is overly conservative, in my opinion. I mean, what do you well, guys? That's, that, that's that's what they should be doing. I mean, you you always want to have conservative estimates. You want to set the expectations low so that, you know, when you do perform, I mean, let's say internally Warner Brothers really thought they were going to be at, you know, say 160 or 170. Let's say they thought they're going to be at 170. And if they went, came out and said that we're going to be at 170 and they actually came out at 160, then the narrative is that, oh, it's a big disappointment. This this film is not doing what they thought. But if they come out and say it's at 110 and then they hit 160 or 170, you know, the, the narrative is going to be completely different. It's a very political maneuver, quite honestly. Okay. So just as a, also a frame of reference, we've talked about this before, but Man of Steel debuted at uh, 116.6 million dollars in June 
of 2013, which I, I'm a little surprised. That was kind of low. It is, yeah. In my opinion. But there, the, the narrative also is that if Warner Brothers can have a bigger opening weekend for Batman v Superman in a spring movie that would outstretch a summer movie, then the, the narrative is that would be a win for Warner Brothers. Yeah. Well, let me say one last thing on this, and then I'd like to hear what Greg has to say. But uh, now tracking numbers typically, you know, we're three weeks out, I think, when this first tracking number came in. Yes. Uh, it's very typical that these numbers actually go up. That's that tends to be the norm. And so this 120 to 140 million, we should be expecting to see that actually go up. Now, originally, uh, my prediction on this was going to be 170 million domestically. So, uh, Scott, you said 160. I said 170. 160 uh, domestically opening weekend. Opening weekend, right. And uh, I said 170. Greg, what say you? I think since they're giving dedicated fans a chance to see it a week early, and mm. this is the first time we are getting Batman and Superman on the big screen and Wonder Woman, and it is the, even though Man of Steel was the official star of the DC Extended Universe, this feels like the real, uh, I'm not really a sports guy, so, but I'm going for this idiom anyway. It feels like the real kickoff of the DC Extended Universe. So does, I, yep. I, I feel like I'm also going to be optimistic and lean towards 170. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm certainly going to see it as many times as I can to get the figure up there just so I don't <laughs> have to eat my words. Right, right. Yeah, me too. But I mean, people all over the country are getting to see this a week early. And these are the fans who went to the IMAX teaser. These are people who are passionate. And I think positive word of mouth can make a difference. Yeah. At least I certainly hope it will. It's huge. It's huge. Word of mouth is so important nowadays because that spreads so easily across the web. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, that. so like when we talk about buzz, that actually has a lot more meaning nowadays than it probably did in the past. And uh, so that was like one of the little uh, statistics they talked about, or some metric. It's, it's something called total awareness. And the interest, what they call it, is the first choice interest in Batman v Superman is a really huge number. And uh, it's actually, I think it's running around 23 right now, which is, is pretty high. So anyway, it, it just shows that there is a lot of buzz going around on the internet about this. So I would not be too surprised if this actually goes up, uh, even beyond what I had estimated at 170. I, I think 170 is, is probably a good guess for me anyway, but I, I think if it's going to go one way or the other, it's likely to go up. Yeah, I definitely hope so. And I yeah. mean, even people who weren't a fan of Man of Steel, they're still passionate about these characters and they're hoping that Batman v Superman can win them back over. So I, I have a feeling that a lot of people who obviously we respectfully disagree with are still going to buy at least one ticket just to give the movie a chance and, you know, hope that they'll become invested in this new DC extended universe. Well, and I think that's the point is that we're dealing when, when you talk about the people who we respectfully disagree with, I would say those are the reasonable people who just out of taste said Man of Steel wasn't for me right. and but are but are not closed minded where they're not willing to say, OK, I'll give this I'll give this one more shot mm-hmm. and see what they can do this time. I kind of uh, going back to your sports analogy, Greg, because I am a big sports fan. I would say that Man of Steel was the pregame mm-hmm. and then BVS <laughs> is the kickoff. Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> it is the kickoff. OK, so I properly use kickoff then. Good to know. You did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I'm from the South. I know all about some college football. Yeah. Crimson Tide. The Regal Ultimate Tickets are sold out. For those of you guys who didn't know this, a Regal Entertainment Group was selling 1,000 tickets. And with this ticket, it's a $100 ticket. You can go see Batman v Superman one time per day on any of the different formats, all the way up until the point that it's no longer in the theaters. And you can go do this all for 100 So how many of these tickets did you buy, Scott? Um, None, because there's only one Regal theater in my entire town, and it's on the other side. Same here. <laughs> if Carmike had offered this, 
this? Oh, dude, I totally would have. I so would have bought this because I, I crunched the numbers. I just had I would have only have had to seen the movie six times in IMAX 3D at evening prices. And at six, the ticket would have already have paid for itself. Yeah. And I and I would already be saving money on that sixth viewing. Mm-hmm. And if I had a if I had a ticket that I could just keep on going to see it. Oh, you try to stop me from seeing that movie more than six <laughs> times. Right. Definitely. Yeah, I, I would have done the same thing as well. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't have a regal theater in my area. So now I think one of our listeners and I and I and I'm sure he'll remind me one of our listeners got one of these tickets. Right. And he tweeted us and I, I'm so sorry. I don't remember which one you were, but I'm so I jealous. Willie. I think it was Willie. Yeah, I think it was Willie. So, yeah, definitely jealous. So congratulations, though. I hope you hope you get your money's worth out of that ticket. I'm sure you will. Now, moving on. So remember, we had showed two of the videos. This is the Omaze. Basically, it's a it's a charity organization that helps promote a lot of different charities. Now, we had we had seen one with Jesse Eisenberg, and I think this was actually at your store, wasn't it, Greg? <laughs> yeah, I was actually coordinating with Omaze for about a week before um, Jesse went to the store. And unfortunately, the day of, <laughs> I happened to be sick, so yeah. I had to stay home. But I was going to um, jokingly debate with Jesse about Batman versus Superman versus Lex Luthor. Would I have made it to the final cut? I don't know, but oh. it still would have been awesome. Okay. <laughs> Your life is so cool. You should just know that right now. I, I am grateful every single day. <laughs> now, now, Greg, I know you had some kind of stomach ailment that day that he was there. I think it would have been epic if you would have just kind of like just powered through it. And if you would have like thrown up on Jesse, if you'd have just like thrown up on him, I'm sure that would have gone viral <laughs> to some degree. <laughs> I, last thing I want to do is upset Lex Luthor. <laughs> yeah, I think it was kryptonite poisoning. <laughs> yep. So we we had a we had a Henry Cavill video, which was awesome, and then the Jesse Eisenberg one is great as well. So we knew we'd be getting a, a Ben Affleck one, which we just got. And um, I'm gonna go ahead and play. You see the machine guns in the front of my car? Yeah. yeah. Superman just did. I'll show it in the movie, but he actually has a. Um, Mazda protege. Hey, Ben Affleck here to support some great causes. I've teamed up with Omaze to invite you to join the cast at the premiere of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. And then you'll hang with me before you take a ride in the Batmobile. To give you just a small preview of what that's like, I'm here at Warner Brothers Studios Tour Hollywood to uh, borrow it for a little while. Come on in this way. I want to show you guys some really cool cars. The car that you see behind me is going to be featured very heavily in Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Ben Affleck actually drove this thing around. Who do you think would win, Batman or Superman? Superman. Superman. Who do you think would actually win in a fight, Batman or Superman? Superman. Superman. Who says Superman? That's unbelievable. How you doing? Now everyone's how you doing before (laughs) Superman, Superman. Are you real? I am real. Whoa! What, you drive the Batmobile? Superman doesn't even have a cool car to put you in. in the, yeah, look at all, I got like eight of these cars. I really look like Ben Affleck. This cousin is. Are you joking? No, that's him. No! No! Batman? Yeah. All right. All right. Superman. No, no! Come on, man! Batman! Oh, you're Batman? Um, who do you think sits in this car? Is that yeah. Superman's car to you? Yeah. Superman has a Subaru. Yeah. You aim this and you press the red button and you'll fire the missile at the people that think Superman is a better character. <laughs> Let's take this thing for a spin. So we've got 
Hennessy Street up here, which was used for a bunch of Batman films. And speaking of Batman, we have the new Batman versus Superman coming out. Who do you think is gonna win that battle, guys? Superman! Oh <laughs> <laughs> How's the tour going? Good? Yeah. I just wanted to see if anyone wanted to take a spin in the Batmobile. Yeah. How about you? You wanna take a spin? Come on, yeah. I saw you root for it first. Come on over here. takes to win, and every entry supports Eastern Congo Initiative. So click the button or go to omaze.com forward slash Batman, and hopefully I'll see you at the premiere. So one last call out to this Omaze charity. You can donate a small amount, and uh, you know if you're able to donate a little bit more, you, you actually will get gifts with your donation. And uh, I pulled a few out here, so th there's a there's a whole list of them on the website. But if you donate like $100 to this charity, not only do you get a chance to go to the red carpet event and fly in a helicopter with Henry and ride in a Batmobile with Ben Affleck, and, and I think you actually be on the red carpet with uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, photobomb people. Yeah, photobombing people. So you get a chance of that. But if if you if like say if you donate 100 you would get this limited edition Batman v Superman t-shirt. 150, you get this heat sensitive mug and coloring book. Um, I like this one. You, If you can donate 5,000, um, not too many people could do that, but you actually get this cool lithograph print that's signed by Snyder, Cavill, and Affleck from the film. Uh, Greg, I need to ask you if I can borrow some money, please. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would, but I actually just uh, spent 5,000 on Omaze. Nice, nice. Oh, okay. Congratulations. Hope, uh, hope you enjoy that lithograph but <laughs> i just spent twenty thousand on this and i'm actually gonna get dinner with jesse eisenberg i had dinner with him last week oh yeah so <laughs> i'll just you guys stink really <laughs> oh no yeah so i, I do not uh, have twenty thousand to donate but if i did i certainly would because i think jesse eisenberg has just got to be an amazing guy to talk to if you just look anytime you hear him in interviews uh he just looks like he would be abundantly fun to just talk to about anything i would just want to go can you autograph my book yeah right Bring gives me hiccups. Yes. So the donation drive ends either March 14th or 15th. I wasn't really exactly sure what the date was, but you have about, uh, at by the time this thing drops, about eight more days. So good cause and uh, encourage you to go donate. Now, Greg, tell us about the advertising going on at Times Square right now. Oh, it, it is great. I uh, During my lunch break, I walked over uh, just south of Times Square. Uh, the, you know, there's those two big billboards on each end, just about right. a block south of that. There's maybe four or five. I, I'm going based purely on memory here. Four or five giant billboards. We have the, you know, the two of Batman and Superman preparing to punch each other from different mm -hmm. angles. We have them looking at each other. And there's one of, you know, Batman standing in the foreground or with his back to the viewer. Right. Superman in the distance. And uh, it is just so cool being able to just to see that. Just see that. Yeah. I mean, at Midtown Comics, when I walk to the third floor, I have a view of that. Oh, do you? And I always I always just stop to look and it's so I, I part of me thinks back to uh, I am legend yeah right <laughs> <laughs> and these things are huge I mean these are giant billboards oh they're, they're enormous do you sometimes just stare at them Greg and go this is the world I live in now <laughs> <laughs> I do I do and then I realize I'm blocking people in the stairway and I have to keep walking <laughs> you have to keep but, moving uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I've been having a lot of fun on the Midtown Comics social media account. Like, I found a two-pack of uh, Dark Knight Returns uh, Batman and Superman figure, and I angled it so the billboards were in the background, and I said, like, it was something silly, like uh, Justice in the foreground and in the background or something. I don't remember. Hmm. But it's 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 definitely surreal, and it's just so very exciting. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I've used the word exciting about ten times now, but <laughs> that's because that's how I feel about all of this. Yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to see that uh, i don't know if i'll have a chance to make it um well it certainly won't be before the movie uh next time i'm in Times square i need to i need to just go over there and hopefully we'll see some suicide squad ones at that point <laughs> tomorrow i will uh i'll take a video well not tomorrow we're recording on a yeah. friday but next time i'm in there i will go there take a video so it makes you feel like you're there and i will uh send it to you see what i heard is you're gonna take a video and actually rub our faces in it <laughs> <That's what> <laughs> <I heard. laughs> like he's been doing all week yeah all week <laughs> i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> yeah well hey Hey, man, look, so su- speaking of Suicide Squad, so we actually got a very interesting tidbit from a Justin Kroll article in Variety, and it was actually talking about David Ayer possibly teaming up with um, Max Landis. Yeah, with Max Landis to, and Will Smith to do another film. And they had this little, almost like a little throwaway line in there. It basically said that uh, basically Suicide Squad 2 is being planned for filming in 2017. So this is like up to this point, I, don't, I hadn't heard anything about the possibility of sequel at this point. And then Justin Kroll said on Twitter that the insiders are saying that Warner Brothers is so excited about the early footage that they were they greenlit a sequel. Like, the movie hasn't even come out yet, and they're like, go go make Suicide Squad 2, please. Right. Yeah, I don't know if they've uh, actually greenlit the sequel, but they're certainly developing it right now. So this is real interesting. Like, I, this kind of, like, upends the schedule a little bit in terms of, like, what we thought the movie slate was going to be. But, you know, I mean, perhaps maybe it doesn't, you know, because really probably most of the actors in this thing really don't necessarily overlap into the other films. So this could be another film that, you know, WB could actually, you know, kind of spit out there at a certain point in time. That would be awesome. Well, I feel like it goes back to the analogy that suicide, if you have to do some sort of Marvel DC comparison, if Suicide Squad is kind of like Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, it, it's like those movies that because they're a little bit separated from sort of the, the, the larger big universe things going on, Mm-hmm. that you can just sort of insert these in when you need to because it's not like Suicide Squad is going to be messing around with the Justice League anytime soon. Right, right. So anyway, this is great. Uh, this is real encouraging, the fact that they're so pumped about it that they want to get moving on it. So that would be great, especially it, it was kind of like implying that they're trying to work it out with David Ayer as well, which would be great to get him back for that. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, um, I, I really enjoyed Fury. I think based on his work, he's a great choice for... Mm-hmm. Uh, this kind of movie and uh, right. everything we've seen so far has been very promising right and you know and I've loved both trailers um, very markedly different in tone the two different mm. Suicide Squad trailers and I really love both of them but man I just I'll tell you what if they can just kind of create that same energy that it seemed like they kind of created with you know you know the, the Bohemian Rhapsody uh, trailer if they can kind of really kind of um, do that same kind of intensity in the film it's just gonna, it looks to be like it'll just be a lot of fun okay so kind of starting to wrap up uh, Funko Legion of Collect box. If you got in before March 1st, you should have a Batman v Superman box coming your way. But the day after that box closed, they announced that the May box will be DC TV themed. Yes, that'll be And they cool. even had a cute little uh, YouTube video where you see little Funko Arrow <laughs> Flash Supergirl. It's so cute. Yeah. Um, I was curious though, guys. Uh, Tim, Greg, what exclusive Funko Pop if you had the DC TV universe at your disposal, which 
what what would you like to see? Constantine figure. Ooh. That, wow. I, how can, I can't top that. No, you can't top it. <laughs> no, you can't. Didn't you hear me just drop the mic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zoom, perhaps? Ooh, that would be cool. Ooh. I like that. Okay. okay. I, I'll admit. Oh, Gorilla Grodd. Ooh. Ooh. There's a lot of great ones. Yeah. <laughs> Funko, are you listening? Yes. We're giving you gold here. Uh, King Shark. I mean, wow. <laughs> King Shark. Man, there's a lot of great ones. Uh, I'm just I'm just pumped to be able to get like a DC TV themed one. I, I, I'm really looking forward to actually getting this box. I, I don't know if you've been tracking this, Scott, but mine has left Texas and it's well yes. on its way to Indiana right now where I live. So I'm hoping that since I'm in Alabama, it's like I think I've got less less space for it to cover. So it's like, please, anytime soon now. It's it's going from one southern state to another southern state. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, but you guys still have things delivered by horseback or no? Do I have that wrong? Oh, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> we have air conditioning, okay? <laughs> that is true. And you definitely need it there. But yeah, hopefully yes. we'll be getting that thing probably come this Monday would be my guess. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Now, Tim, I yes. know that on Monday, Supergirl, I can only imagine the noises you were making as you were watching <laughs> that. So go ahead. We all know it's coming. So take your moment in the spotlight. Oh, uh, you're talking about the Legion of Superheroes flight ring that was actually shown amongst the Fortress of Solitude souvenirs. Yeah, so I'm a big Legion fan. Definitely pumped to see this. I, I won't say a whole lot about it, but, you know, they keep teasing Legion on here and, and it's still not entirely certain to me where it's going to appear. Uh, I'm hoping this wasn't the only tease, that this was the tease that they're referring to. But uh, yeah, I, I love the idea that they're kind of like putting you know, Supergirl uh, in the position where she may actually interact with Legion of Superheroes. So for you Legion fans out there, go check it out. It's, um, you, I think you can even find this scene on the internet uh, on YouTube or something if you want to see it. But there's a Legion flight ring, enough to get pumped about. And this is your public service announcement to remember to keep on binging Young Justice on Netflix mm -hmm. day after day after day. Um, remember, guys, uh, Tim and Brent talked about this last week. Netflix is considering an original season three production. So please go binge season one, binge season two. Mm -hmm. I would also recommend get some Young Justice merchandise. Mm -hmm. There are DVDs. There are Blu-rays. There are four trade paperbacks of the tie-in comic written by Greg Wiseman, showrunner. And there's also the little-known Young Justice Legacy video game for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, which the plot was developed by Greg Wiseman and fills in the five-year gap between mm -hmm. season one and season two. So go buy stuff and get us a season three. It was awesome. Yeah, and keep the buzz going on the social media as well. If you're a fan, um, and I'm actually kind of guilty of this, I haven't tweeted anything out in the last few days, but you know, if you're watching it, go ahead and tweet it out. Hashtag Young Justice and put it out there and just help you to keep the buzz going. But I, I think we're probably close. It seems like the discussions were definitely real serious. I don't know if you heard my report on this last week, Scott, but according to Netflix, they're just kind of like finally trying to work out final terms with the license holder. Oh, no, I I, I read that. I, I, I saw that even before the podcast yep. aired. So, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's it, man. We've had a ton of stuff here to talk about today. We actually had to cut a lot of stuff out just for the sake of time here. But um, let's go ahead and start wrapping this up. That is it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And, you know, we definitely hope that you enjoyed the show and a discussion. And I also want to thank you, Greg, so much for joining us this week. Mm -hmm. We hope that you've had a lot of fun as well as our listeners. And, of course, 
course, listeners, we want to hear from you. So let us know about any news you want us to talk about and anything that we missed or did not discuss and you feel like you've got an opinion about. Uh, Tim, where can the people find us? Yeah, the quickest way you can contact us would be to send a message to the show's Twitter handle, at Suicide Squadcast. And if you want to reach me personally, you can reach me at Alan Fire. And Scott, how can people reach you? They can reach me at ScottDC27 on Twitter. They can also email us at at Suicide Squadcast at gmail.com. Greg, where can the good people find you on the interwebs? (laughs) I am at Greg Katzman. Ah, just that simple. Yes, (laughs) very bland handle, but uh, it works. And so, you know, we love to hear from you guys. You know, we interact with you all the time. We try to be timely in responding. It's getting more and more hard to keep up, quite honestly, which is great. That means we're getting a lot more listeners as of late. Been a lot of really constant and rapid growth for the show. So that all goes out to you guys for helping to get the word out. So and also we need to move on to contest number seven. And we already have five reviews. We're already halfway (laughs) to the next contest winner. How is this happening? Yeah. Remember this. So the contest is that if you enjoy our show and you think we deserve it, and if you leave us a five star written review, you actually get entered into the contest. You have a one in 10 chance to win something. And that something is a DC Comics trade paperback, $15 or less. It could be in print or it could be digital. The first review that we got. Ooh, I want to read this one. I want oh, to read this you want one. to take it? Go ahead. <laughs> I do. Take it. Okay. Uh, this is the Rhyme Smith. He titled his review Amazing DC Podcast. He says, This show is amazing. Tim and Scott are always positive and insightful, and it's great to hear such a great podcast by fans for fans. These guys are always intent have and they know what they're talking about. If you are new to DC Comics Universe and the DCEU, this is a good place to start. If not, then it's always fun to hear all the updates, news, theories, and just geeks geeking out. <laughs> Keep up the great work, and I look forward to every episode. And it's so much fun because I know that Rhyme Smith is actually a, a crossover fan also with Beer with Geeks and Supergirl TV Talk because I've right. heard his iTunes reviews as well. Yeah, I, I did see that. I was going to mention that to Frank and Tim, but it looks like he came over or how did it go? I don't know. He he just found all of us. Yeah. And so thank you so much for listening to all of us. Cool, cool. Thank you. The second review is from Jordan Valdez and it's titled Excellent Discussions About DC. The Suicide Squadcast does a terrific job of covering all corners of the DC universe. The hosts are knowledgeable and passionate and they give great insight into the latest news. One thing that they sometimes do that I really appreciate is play audio of things before they discuss them, which is really convenient. Recently, I very much enjoyed the crossover episode that features debates over battles between different DC characters. And Jordan, of course, is talking about our crossover event with Beer with Geeks. So thank you, Jordan. I'm glad to have you as a new listener on this. Uh, the next one comes from Jeffrey underscore Dean called First Time Listener. Jeffrey underscore Dean writes, First Time Listener of this podcast and also any podcast. Love the conversations. Great pace. Looking forward to catching up and continuing to subscribe. Aw, thanks. We're your first. Yeah. How, how special is that? No, definitely. Thank you so much. I hope uh, I hope you uh, continue to listen and enjoy it. Uh, let us know. We'd love to hear from you even besides this review. So reach out to us. Our fourth one is from Writing Bean and it's titled Complete Coverage and Positive and Professional. And Writing Bean says between Man of Steel answers for deep dives and Suicide Squad cast for complete coverage, I finally have a full spectrum DC podcast diet that I've been dying for. Tim and Scott are upbeat, fact filled and level headed hosts who still know how to have fun. They have real opinions and insights, but get it across with intelligence and maturity and personality rather than Valium, childishness or needless controversy. These guys are the opposite of everything wrong with clickbait. Count on a squadcast to sort through the sensationalism, hysteria and ridiculous rumors. Wow. Love that one. Thank you so much. And this one just 
dropped today from Derek underscore E called Great Podcast. Three exclamation points. Wow. Derek writes, I love the reviews and the general chat that the hosts have. I'm actually two episodes in and I've loved it so far. Keep it up. Oh, it's awesome. I'm kind of curious, Derek. Are you talking like episode one and episode two from like September or have you just listened to our latest two? I would really be interested to know where did you start listening to us? But thank you for the wonderful five star written review. Yes, thank you so much. So you guys, you five guys or girls, I'm not sure what you are, but you are now eligible to be in our next contest, which is one out of 10. You have a one in 10 chance. So thank you so much for that, guys. Well, I think it's time to wrap it up for this week. We want to thank Greg so much for joining us this week. Greg, we hope you had fun. I did. Thank you so much for having me. It's just, uh, it, it really is a lot of fun because I, I was just sitting here shaking my head. Uh, well, nodding, excuse me, not shaking my head, nodding when you guys were reading the reviews because they're all really accurate. I'm also a listener and I love how you guys are, you know, you maintain positivity without belittling people who disagree or anything like that. And obviously it shows that you guys are really fans and you're passionate about what's to come and you also keep an open mind about it. And it really shows. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm definitely blushing right now. <laughs> oh, yes. I, 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 my heart's all a flutter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Greg. I appreciate those words. And uh, yeah, definitely what we try to go for. I mean, you know, we do, we do, we are big DC fans. We're also Marvel fans, but you know, our hearts are with DC and you know, we definitely enjoy it. Oh, by the way, that was, that was a five-star review I just gave. So please uh, enter me as well. <laughs> 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 But Greg, was it writ- was a five star written review? Yes. I think that's the question. I was gonna type it, but it would interfere with the audio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well played, well played. So that's it, guys. Uh we will see you guys again next week. And also we are recording a Man of Steel review episode that we're gonna kinda drop right before BVS comes out. So keep an eye out for that. And Greg will be joining us for that as well. Yep. That's it, guys. You have a good week and we will see you next weekend. Uh see you later, guys. Place you said you'd meet me, I don't see you hanging around. If that's all you ever tell me, it seems you don't wanna be found. Don't come over, can't get lower. All right, Greg, man, that was a lot of fun. Now you actually kind of teasing something that you wanted to tell us i i i'm i'm, I'm very i'm afraid very afraid okay <laughs> greg what 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 is it so i'm i'm seeing the imax uh screening on the 21st early which is obviously very awesome but because of my job there is a chance i will also be able to attend the world premiere as a fan which is on the 20th scott i think you know what we need to do yes i do tim <laughs>